Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. So I would invite you to take a deep breath in. Let it out. Let's do that again. A deep breath in. And let it out. I had the joy this last week of of spending the week at Emory University at, at the Candler School of Theology for an intensive course in my Doctor of Ministry program. And the professor began every class that way as students would hurry in and the hustle of it all. He'd say, take a deep breath in and let it out. First couple days of the week, I was like, come on, come on, come on. Let's get through this. Boy, by the end of the week, um, did I need that. The truth is, we live hurried, busy lives, and the church is no different. A flurry, a frenzy of activity, right? It's a beautiful thing. But sometimes, in order for us to really hear what God has to speak. We need to take a deep breath in and to calm ourselves. So one more time. Most of us go through life in a constant search for meaning, for purpose, for our identity. And this causes us to live what I, what I call episodic lives. I want you to think of your favorite sitcom. These are episodic stories. The characters might or might not remain the same from episode to episode or season to season, but each episode is its own story within itself. You have characters and they encounter some drama or a problem and there's adversity and then they rise up to face the adversity and then maybe or maybe not, there's a happy ending, and then the credits roll, and the story is finished. And in order to keep our attention, you have to create a brand new story the next episode. Most of us live episodic lives, where we move from one story to another. We search for external measures of meaning that will provide happiness or a sense of belonging for us. And this is most acutely evident when we are younger. I want you to think of yourself for a moment in your early 20s, or even your teenage years, or some of you, many of you, are in your teenage years right now. And now I know you don't want to go there. You don't want to think of yourself wearing those bell-bottom pants. You don't want to admit the pink leisure shoot that you used to love Barry. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, think of yourself when you were younger. Or maybe you are in the throes of raising a young person. One moment your child wears nothing but sweatpants and hoodies. And then in the blink of an eye, they're spending 30 minutes in front of the bathroom mirror trying on five different shirts. You're thinking, what happened? One moment, they're fascinated with 
one type of music, and so you decide to be the cool mom and to put that on in the minivan, and then you hear from the back seat, Mom, that is so lame. That music is so 2019. So much of our lives are a constant identity search for belonging and meaning. And now, folks, this isn't reserved for teenagers or college students. We can find ourselves throughout our entire life caught up in this cycle of episodic stories. It might shift from the clothes we wear and the music we like. It might shift to our jobs, our titles, and the choices we can make to overextend ourselves when it comes time to purchasing a vehicle or finding housing. Or then, Lord, you know the ways that we can project our own unresolved identity issues back onto our kids. And we live an episodic story for ourselves through them, and we cause chaos for everyone. We buy into the lie that the things we accomplish or the goods we accumulate, that those things, will, they will be enough. And that they will give our lives meaning, but what happens if subtly and subversively we are crafting little identities for ourselves so that our neighbors might see them and so we might feel as if we've arrived or we belong or we fit in. As Christians, we say that our true identity comes through our baptism into Christ. Our true identity, every week when we gather, we proclaim that it comes from our baptism into Christ. But do we truly believe it? Do we really live as if that were true? Life is not about finding out who you are. Life is not about finding out who you are. It's about reconnecting with who God has always said that you are. It's about coming home to who you've always been. It's about coming home to who you've always been, a beloved child of God who inherently belongs, a child of the one true God, a child of the creator of the heavens and the earth, a child of the God who created the Teton Mountains, a child of the one true source of life, a child who is unbelievably loved and accepted, no questions asked. You are my child. You are beloved. You, Carson. You, Jonah. You, Barry. You, Eugene. You are loved. Our baptism into Christ not only gives us our true identity, it grafts us into a community of belonging and purpose. A community of purpose. And when we live grounded in our baptism, we are released, we are set free from the constant cycle of living episodic stories. And we are freed to live into the ultimate 
epic story of creation. The ultimate epic story of our God. This grand story that God invites us to live into. It's not only one of never needing to question whether or not you are loved or whether or not you belong. It's one that carries a magnitude of purpose that our hearts long for. We're designed for this. And we try to fill it again and again and again through the little stories of our lives, the goods we accumulate, the things we try to do for God. And yet we are set free from that in our baptism to live into God's ultimate story of purpose that our hearts break for, they yearn for, and they come alive for when we see it and we touch it and we feel it. It's the purpose of living as a witness to the resurrection of Jesus, of proclaiming life in the face of death, of working towards justice and peace in the earth where no person, not one, needs to question whether or not they're loved whether or not there is room at God's table for them. Of where no child anywhere in the world would go to bed hungry at night and wake up the next morning fearful for their day ahead. A world where no one is forgotten. It was 10 years ago today that a 7.0 magnitude earthquake shook Haiti instantly killed 300,000 people, 500,000 people injured, and 1.5 million people were rendered homeless in an instant. I was a student at the seminary when the earthquake happened in Haiti. And for me and my classmates, it wasn't just another story on the news, it was personal. Because a group of our fellow classmates were on a January immersion trip in Haiti with our partner organization, the Haitian Tamoon Foundation. They were there when the earth shook. The seminary gathered all of the students into the chapel so that we could, we could pray together and we could hold watch together and we could mourn together because we heard nothing from our friends in Haiti. All communication towers were toppled and there was anxiety throughout the campus. These weren't just classmates. These were spouses and parents of children at the seminary. It was a few days until we finally received word. And they gathered us back into the chapel to let us know two things. Our group had arrived safely. They had commandeered fishing boats and they had gone from Jacmel over across the ocean to the Dominican Republic and they were waiting to be extradited home to the United States. But they wanted us to know two stories. The first one is this. In the aftershocks of the rumble, they made their way in Jacmel to the airstrip. And as they approached the airstrip, they saw thousands of Haitians gathered there, collecting their loved ones, looking for loved ones, trying to make sense of their world that was totally toppled. And as blood streamed out from underneath the rubble around them, our students were overcome by the fact that the thousands of Haitians gathered were singing, How Great Thou Art in the midst of the rubble and the ruin, 
they raised their voices to God, how great thou art. They wanted us to know another story. That night in the airstrip, a little old Haitian woman approached a group of the students. And she looked tired and worn. And she came to them saying, Grangu, Grangu, which is the Creole word for hunger. Grangu, Grangu. And the students explained how they felt bewildered and they felt helpless. They, they had nothing. They had no granola bars. They had already eaten them. They didn't have anything to give this woman who has lost everything, crying out, Grangu, Grangu. And the frustration mounted with the students and with the woman as, as they, they couldn't do anything about this situation. And finally, the woman took off her sack and she opened it up and she had reams of bananas and she handed them to the students and said, Grungu, you must be hungry. Like the Haitian people, may we trust that in the midst of life's uncertainties, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of our struggles, which are different than the Haitian people, yet there are still struggles. May we trust that God's epic story of life, love, and resurrection, may we trust that it's true. Your baptism says so. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.